morning, everybody. My name is Mark. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the pastors here at Providence. And um, I got up a little early this morning and I drank probably at least one extra cup of coffee. So I'm a little bit jittery. And so here's what I want to do. I don't want to just talk super fast. So instead, I want to invite you to pray with me these words, which actually start off the, the hymn that we're going to be looking at in just, just a moment. Let's, would you pray with me? Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Amen. I know some of you have, are coming back from or gearing up for a vacation that you're trying to cram in really quickly. Around here, summer's actually ending. Whether you have kids in your household or not, you can just feel it, like everything shifts at the start of August for us. And so my family just got back last week from a, a one-week vacation in which we covered more than 2,000 miles by car and by plane, mostly by car, uh, a, lot, a lot by car, a lot, a lot of miles <laughs> were done in the cars um, driving on the road with all the, with all the family. <laughs> it's a long, long trip. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I did for about eight days was I didn't pay attention to the news that was going on. Some of that was kind of intentional, but it's also, we just had stuff going on. It was vacation, right? It was family time. It was good. I didn't really pay that much of attention of what was going on in the world. What I did notice were some great moments of celebrating my parents' 60th wedding anniversary. Isn't that amazing? 60 years. Yeah. We got to spend some time together where family was gathered together that doesn't get together very often. And we just, it was good. It was really, really good. And during, during this week, I also got to notice God's creativity and his generosity as we were driving through the plains of Kansas and, and the hill. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's beautiful. And, and the hills of southern Missouri and the mighty Mississippi and Ohio River and then the, the waves off the coast of, of Florida. Eight days, right? Like we covered some grounds. The young ones like to, to pack it in. As we were covering all this ground, what I noticed is that God was with us through all of it. God was present in every single moment of it. It was beautiful. And then I got home from this trip and I turned on the news. Why did I turn on the news? I don't know. I thought I was missing out on something. And so I turned on the news because I wanted to catch up on what was going on in the world, like around me and in, in my community. And just by the way, as followers of Jesus, I think it's really important to know what's going on in the world around us. We don't have to become obsessed with it, but I think it's actually really important to know because we are called as followers of Jesus to be salt and light in that world, right? So it's, it's actually important to know. But, but this time when I was catching up on the news, I found myself wondering, my God, <laughs> like literally, my God, what is going on here? God, are you, are you present in this? And maybe I was even wondering to myself, God, are you hiding right now? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever been in a situation or just kind of felt so like wrapped up in what's happening that you go, God, are you, are you there? Are you, are you hiding from me right now? There's this Old Testament story from Exodus 33. It's, it's the story of Moses, the man that God called to, to lead his people out of Egypt through the wilderness and right up to the doorstep of the promised land. 
And Moses was so faithful in doing all of that, but he kind of, in this story, he kind of reached this moment where he was growing frustrated because it was a long time. Sometimes God's plan takes a little longer than we would like to unfold. And Moses was kind of feeling some frustration and his frustration led him to being extra bold before God. And so he was demanding of God some, some data. He wanted some information about what was happening. Like, who's going to go with me on this journey? Who's going to go with me while we're wandering around in the wilderness? And, um, and God, I would just, you know, if you could just show me all your ways. Just show it, lay it all out for me. Or he, he, said, he said to God, hey, remember, we are your people. He's talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. We are your people. Like God didn't know that. Like God was the one who declared that you are my people. And Moses is saying these things back to him. And, and God is so kind. You hear it in the story. He's so kind and he's so compassionate and gentle. And he's that way with us as well. Here's what he said to Moses. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He didn't really directly answer. Moses was asking, like, who are the people who are going to go with me on this journey? And God says, I'm going to be with you, and I will give you rest. So kind. Moses didn't seem to understand or hear or process what it was that God had just said to him. Because next he said, if you don't go with us, God just said, I'm going to go with you. And Moses said, if you don't go with us, how will people know that we are your special people? that you've called us to be a holy nation, that you've called me to, to lead these people. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Again, the, the kindness of God. And then Moses says next, show me your glory. It's really kind of the same line of questioning that we see from Moses. He wants information. He wants to know. He wants to see everything. He wants to see all of God's glory, which we can understand. I can understand that. If you've ever experienced even just a taste of the glory of God, you want more of it. Like when we come together and worship and we have these beautiful moments in which God shows up, we want more of it. We want the band to keep going. We want to have, have another song. We want more of the glory of God. We can understand where Moses is coming from. And the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one will see me and live. No one will see the fullness of the glory of God and live. That's what he says to Moses. Moses is asking for it. God says, here's the reason I can't do that. But then he said, there's a rock near me where you may stand. Where my, when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So the very thing that Moses is asking for, let me see all of your glory. He's saying, you can't, I can't do that. Why does it sometimes seem like God is hidden? Because sometimes God is hidden. <laughs> sometimes actually God is hiding from us in a sense. Just hang in there. <laughs> there are a few examples in the Bible, but this, this passage from Exodus is one of the most clear for me. God makes sure that Moses can't see his face. God is clearly hiding the fullness of his glory. 
But if you think about it in the, the, the fullness of the whole story of Scripture, who was it who hides first? In all of the Bible, who hides first? It's in Genesis 3, the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, they're hiding in the garden. They think they can hide from God, their creator. And I love this story because God goes along with it, right? God is walking through the garden. Can God, the creator, not find his creation? Of course he can find his creation. But he's letting Adam and Eve try to run and hide so they can discover their own lostness and then find their way back to him. It's like when you're playing hide-and-seek with a toddler, you know, and you see their shoes sticking out from underneath the curtain, <laughs> but you're like 15 seconds into the game of hide-and-seek, and, and you're not a nice person if you just like, oh, I see you right away. That's like terrible, right? You let the game go on a little bit, and so you say, I wonder where she is. I can't see her. I can't see my, my little girl until finally she says, here I am. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. So was God playing a game with Moses when he was hiding his face? No, I don't think so. I think he was setting up a way in which one day God's people would discover their own lostness. And instead, instead of trying to hide from God, would hide in God. See, God makes sure that Moses can't see his face, but maybe it's because Moses couldn't actually handle all of that glory. (laughs) He wouldn't be able to comprehend it. You know, sometimes I think God just gives us just what we need to be able to get to that next place he has for us, because if we saw the whole plan, we would probably mess it up or we would be so completely overwhelmed by it. It's like Moses is saying, if I can just have all of your ways figured out, God, then I can really be the person that you want me to be. But it turns out that this game of hide and seek that Adam and Eve started in Genesis chapter 3 is a result of our fallenness, not God's big plan or desire to play a game with us. What God wants is for us to allow ourselves to be hidden in him. A week ago, I was, as I mentioned, sitting on the beach and I was listening to Pastor Gary's sermon from last Sunday. So if you were here, um, you heard him say this verse from Psalm 125. He shared with me ahead of time he was going to be using it. And I said, I'm going to be using the next verse as well. Here's what he said last week. Those who trust in God are like Zion Mountain. Nothing can move it. A rock-solid mountain you can always depend on. The next verse. Mountains encircle Jerusalem and God encircles his people, always has and always will. The Psalms are full of this kind of imagery. If you spend some time just looking through them, you'll find it over and over again, encircled, surrounded, hidden in God. Another example, Psalm 32, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you and watch over you. Last week, this very last last week, was the fifth anniversary of my last trip to Haiti. 
Um, hopefully not my last trip to Haiti, but my most recent trip to Haiti. I'd love to go back again. But this memory popped up in uh, social media feed. Aren't you so glad that you have social media to remind you of your life that has happened in the past? This was one of those instances where I was actually really glad to see this memory and that it was the fifth anniversary of this moment in my life. Some of you around here in 2018, you know we had a, a mission team that had been in Haiti for a week and we had actually been building a new building, a two, like a two-story building. And we, I mean, we were participating in the construction of a building um, that's still standing, so it's, it's great. Um, we, had spent a, we had spent a week there and we got to our last day and it was the evening, we were coming back to our hotel and some other travelers that had just gotten in met us in the driveway and they said, you're not getting out because they had just traveled down the same road that we were gonna have to travel down two and a half hours the next morning to get to the capital, to get to the airport, to get on our plane, to get home. They said there are riots taking place on the one highway. <laughs> in fact, it's called Highway One. <laughs> it's the only one in which you can get from where we were to, to the capital. And they said, they're putting boulders in the road, they're burning tires, they're, they're protesting the government right now, and so, and there's some violence that's taking place in the street, you're not gonna make it through. So that night the team did what we had done actually every other night of this, this entire trip as we, we gathered around in a circle out, outside in the evening after dinner, and, and, and Gina Campbell, our, our worship leader from here at the church, she was with us and she led us in some beautiful times of, of worship. And I remember that we, we just sang this one song, we just kind of just like sat in it for a while, it's a song we were singing here at church pretty often at the time, and it, has, it repeats this line, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like, it, we repeat it over, and if you sung it with us here, it actually got us through the pandemic in a big way, and this was a big, it was a big moment for our team to be able to proclaim this truth, which we had been singing together with the church already, which is, which is what we do with our hymns and our songs that remind us of the truth of God. We felt like we were surrounded by this situation in which we could do nothing, we couldn't get out, and yet we proclaimed that we knew we were surrounded by God. So that, that picture that you saw was an, an image of, that I had written down uh, with my morning coffee. It was from Psalm 5, verses 11 to 12. Here's what it said. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Sometimes the word of God isn't what you cling to in the middle of a difficult moment where you feel like you're surrounded by something to be reminded that you're surrounded by God. And we felt surrounded by God during that time. A lot of it was because of your, your prayers, the prayers of, of this church and our, and our families. We felt surrounded by God. And each night of our extended stay, we would gather together and we would sing songs of joy, asking for rescue. Even though, to be honest with you, there were moments where we were fearful and we were, we were a little anxious about what was gonna happen next. We were trying to work out all the details from the roof of our hotel. But even so, each night we circled up and we worshiped the God who had us surrounded the whole time. So after a few days of our extended stay in Haiti, we were actually airlifted out of, off of a soccer field down, down the street uh, in a helicopter slash tuna can with propellers. It felt more like a tuna can. <laughs> it took us directly to the airport, like into the airport. We didn't have to go, go anywhere else. 
where we boarded a small jet and evacuated to the Dominican Republic. And then the next morning, we were able to come home. And when we came home to the Nashville airport, there were like news crews there along with our family. I've got some video of, of, the, of those moments as well that was kind of fun to look back, back on. Five years later, the news in Haiti has only gotten worse. It's actually not, not any better right now. Providence Church, though, is still a key supporter of that school, the Grace and Glory Academy. Kids are still coming to school every day. Kids are still getting an education. Kids are, are still eating lunch every day. But we can't get back there to see it right now. A lesson that I learned during that time is as much as we wonder why God sometimes seems to be hidden from us, God wonders why we don't allow ourselves to be hidden in him. God is so gentle with us, but you should know that your intended state of being is hiddenness in Christ. That's what we're designed to be, is, is hidden. Our lives are designed to be hidden in Jesus Christ. And, and that isn't just so that we, our pride and our ego go away, that God is putting us in our place but it's actually the path to salvation. Jesus is the path to our salvation. Hiddenness in him is how we know salvation and rescue. And in our salvation and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are made powerful for the cause of Christ in this broken world in which we find ourselves. The apostle Paul, like, like Moses before him, was this guy who was sure that he could just gain enough knowledge he could exert enough power that he could become this righteous and well-known leader until Paul one day encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Remember in Exodus, God said, nobody can see my face and live. Well, Paul saw the fullness of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And so he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He had seen the glory of God. And the life, he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All summer long, we've been looking at these, these songs which, which contain, they hold the story of our salvation, like these common words that we hold together. Even if, even if they're, they're new to you, they're part of the story of the church and how we remember who God is and what God has done for us. So today we look at this, this classic hymn of the church that dates back to the late 1800s, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. It was actually written by another extremely self-confident, intelligent man who was sure that by information and strength, he would make it through life really well. And people knew him as just kind of this brash, bold guy. But he ended up writing this gentle hymn text in which we'll, we'll sing in just a moment, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. This, the author of, of the text, his name who was Augustus Taplati. It's a good name, right? For, I mean, for anything, I guess, for, for a hymn writer. Augustus Taplati. And I, I kind of, his last name was actually spelled Top Lady. And I figure, I don't know what his experience was like, but if I had that name and I carried that name like through my middle school years, it would make me a stronger person. And I think that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened for Augustus. <laughs> he worked through that time of being, hey, there's top lady, you know, and he made it through that, a stronger man. <laughs> but he came to this place. Here's the story of the hymn. He was actually, the story is that he was walking through the, the, the English countryside 
And this huge thunderstorm just came out of nowhere and thunder and lightning and he was, he was frightened and he was walking by this 20 foot tall cliff in the hillside. And so he ducked inside the cleft in the rock where he found his protection in the storm. And of course, that is the place where he wrote his famous words, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. There's actually, this, this place exists. There's a rock in the English hillside. Um, I can give you the coordinates if you want to later. Um, it's actually a rock. And in that rock, there is a plaque, because that's what we do. We put a, they put a plaque in the spot where he wrote Rock of Ages. Now, whether or not you believe that story is true, I'm not really sure it matters, but you can imagine you can imagine what it's like to be caught in a, country, in, 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 a, in a thunderstorm, right? In the middle of the country. Like in a place where you feel like you need protection. You can imagine that and you can understand the metaphor that Augustus was using. In Jesus Christ, God has given us the rock of ages in which we have our salvation. And this hymn is all about, from this really brash and bold man, it's all about the utter, his utter dependence on Jesus. Here's a couple more lines that he wrote. Let the waters and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Another line says, helpless, I look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Wash me, Savior, or I die. He believed that he would be dead were it not for the grace and the glory shown to him in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our eternal rock of salvation. You can hide yourself in Jesus. Now, you might be thinking I'm saying you're going to hide from the world because sometimes we feel like hiding from the world, right? It's too much. We want to hide from it. That's not what this is saying. This is saying you can hide yourself in Jesus so much so that when the world sees you, the world sees Jesus. At times, it may look like you're surrounded, but you are surrounded by the rock, Jesus Christ. And this Jesus He's actually demonstrated for us. He's actually carried on the characteristics of hiddenness. It sounds like it might be something just for us, but for those of us who are trying to be more and more like Jesus, know that Jesus followed this pattern as well. I found this in a journal. It's kind of definition of the hiddenness of Jesus. It's, it's this hiddenness. is a preference for the peripheries and a refusal of the limelight. This is talking about Jesus, the Son of God. It represents not only how Jesus revealed God, but what Jesus reveals about God. If you think about the story of Jesus and you look through the gospels, you'll see time and time again when Jesus did something amazing, he performed a miracle, he provided a healing for a person who needed to be healed. And then he said, let's keep this to ourselves. He didn't put himself out there on, on the pedestal in that moment. He said, let's, let's keep this to ourselves. There's something bigger that is happening here. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but here's what I think Je Jesus demonstrates for us. You have to be okay being overlooked from time to time so that Jesus can be visible instead. There are gonna be moments in your life where you have to pull back and say, this is not me, this is Jesus. And so this theme of hiddenness that comes up over and over in the Bible, we, we see it in, with God sometimes being hidden or appearing to be hidden from us. But when we hide from God, it's usually actually about shame. 
Like we're feeling guilt, we're feeling something bad, and so we're hiding, like, like Adam and Eve in the garden in their fig leaves, right? But when we hide in Jesus Christ, it's actually about us receiving salvation and power. Think about the resurrection of Jesus and, and Pentecost with the coming of the Holy Spirit. This whole thing, the, the whole thing, when we hide in Jesus Christ, there is no shame. Whatever it is you're carrying around, the shame that you're carrying around, when you're hidden in Jesus Christ, it doesn't need to exist anymore because we are free to reveal the love of God to a fallen world. What if we could live that way? What if you could, could live that way, free from shame, empowered to live your life fully for Jesus Christ? On my way out of the last service, one of our uh, Bible scholars here at the church said, hey, I think you missed something. And I love that, I love it. <laughs> and he was right. He said, he like quoted Colossians 3, verse 3 to me. He said, for when you died and your life is now hidden in, with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. <laughs> the glory that Moses was looking for, the glory of God that we so long to sit in is something that we actually participate in. When Jesus comes back, we'll, we'll be like him and we'll, we'll be participating in the glory of God. We will appear with him in glory. I don't know what you've been surrounded by in this, this season of your life or how desperately you've been longing for God to come out of his apparent hiding in your story. And I don't know what it is that you've been hiding from God because of some self-imposed shame that you're carrying around. But today, would you allow yourself instead to hide in him? Let Jesus surround you and give you power and protection and rescue. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let's sing that together. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself. Desperate 
Yeah.